0: you know tonight is something very special as you saw in my facebook i've invited somebody who has really made a difference in my life you know some people say that you there are times where you have divine encounters and as you know all i could say is meeting pastor john was a divine encounter in my life you know i've met him years years before but we've never got to talk uh, he was actually one of the first people who prophesied that I was going to write a book. And I couldn't believe that somebody said that I was going to write a book. And now I have four books already that I've written. And then we met once again in the world conference. And it was my birthday. And I got a prophetic word from Pastor John. And after the prophetic word, we uh, bus going to the hotel. And, and we were sitting in close proximity and we got to talk and after that uh, bus ride he prophesied again over us and then after we went to the hotel and then we were going to have lunch and then the lunch became a, a two-hour lunch with pastor john and then after lunch we went to the mall and it became another three hours with pastor john and and i told the lord that day i, I could remember I, I told the lord lord thank you so much for this wonderful birthday gift to be able to spend time with coach john roar pastor john uh, you have been such a major influence in my life and the conversation. And let me just say, before I we, 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 we show Pastor John to everyone, let me just say the conversation I had with Pastor John that day forever changed my life. So, Victory Green Hills, if there's somebody you want to thank for, uh, you've got to thank this man, and he's here with us live. So, let's all welcome Pastor John Rohr. Hello,
1: Pastor John. How are you doing? <laughs> it's a little early in the morning. I may still sneak a bit of coffee. I hope you can't see the toothpicks, but anyway, here we go. I think this is yeah. the earliest message I've ever preached. Yeah. It's you know, in spite
0: of your early morning time today, I actually needed the to- toothpick, not you. <laughs> <laughs> so people can see my eyes. So thank you so much,
2: Pastor John. Oh, right. You're welcome. Happy you. here. Oh my goodness. Hello. Oh, good to see you again. Good. John. Oh, good to see
1: you. Now that now it's complete. Yeah. It's complete. All right, Pastor John
0: is uh, also an author. He wrote a very good book that I encourage you to buy online. It's called "Don't Throw Away Your Confidence." Right, and uh, if you don't know, Pastor John was a basketball coach. He's a coach of many pastors, including me. And uh, as what I said, those divine encounters that I had with him uh, changed me already, changed my mindset. And you've challenged me, rebuked me in just a few hours, Pastor John. And And tonight I've asked him to talk about something uh, that's very close to his heart and something that I think we all need to hear. And He's going to talk about our mind and mental toughness, how we can be tough, especially during this time of crisis. And I know uh, Pastor John has a word from the Lord for us today. So please get your notebooks or your laptop and start typing in those things. We'll put in the live comments the Bible verses that Pastor John will be saying.
1: So Pastor John, take it away, and well, I'll come. Thank you so after. much. Well, I'm very excited. Um, you know, we are all in a world war. It's uh, it, it. The virus hit here too. Uh, Before I get going good, I want to give a shout out to my son, Paul, and daughter-in-law, Julianne, right there in Manila. And uh, hopefully they're able to catch this tonight, But from this morning here. But at any rate, I'm very excited uh, because the mind is a battlefield. Uh, In fact, over in, we'll just start with some scripture, over in Romans chapter 7, Uh, Verse 21, I find then a law that evil is present within me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of the Lord according to the inward man, which is the conscience, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is also the law of sin and death, which is in my members, O wretched man am I, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I serve the law of God and with the flesh, the law of sin. Father, I ask you tonight to come send your Holy Spirit supernaturally. Lord, we are in a war. It's a a war of fear. It's everywhere. It's here. It's there. But it's mostly in the mind. And uh, thank you for giving us this revelation tonight that the enemy isn't out there somewhere. It's not flesh and blood. It's not it's, it's not circumstances and situations. The enemy is right in our mind. So, Lord, I thank you that you're going to give us victory tonight, this morning. In my world, Lord, and I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me, uh, let's, let's look at that in just a minute. He found, the Apostle Paul found that there was another law. We got very valuable information here because the mind is actually operates by law. The law of the mind. Now, it can operate by the law of God or it can operate by the law of
2: sin and death. We must choose. And therefore, there's, there's the war. You know, the
1: the thing we fear, we're told in the book of Matthew, is the thing that can greatly come upon us. So I'm right here in the good old United States of America. I've never seen so much fear. And so it's it's pervasive. And uh, but it's if we didn't have this, this uh, virus, if we didn't have this, we'd still all be fighting fear. And we would all still be having to take. Thoughts captive in our mind. So that brings us to another scripture. Let's go over to 2nd Corinthians chapter 10. This is just one of my favorites simply because a man by the name of Derek Prince, actually in Singapore, I met, I actually got to be in Singapore the first time he went there. If it weren't for Derek Prince, I wouldn't be here today uh, because of what I learned out of this scripture. Two tapes on spiritual warfare, so, Second Corinthians, chapter ten, beginning in verse one. Now, I, Paul, myself, am pleading with pleading with you, by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but in, but being absent am bold towards you. That's it's interesting. Bold towards you, I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with the confidence. There's that word, confidence. Don't throw away your confidence. Be both that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if, as if, as if we walked according to the flesh. Hmm. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war, there's that word again, We do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of the flesh or the
2: strong right arm of the flesh. They are mighty, but they're mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down of strongholds,
1: casting down arguments, speculations. Now, let me ask you a question. Where do you speculate? Where is this place where these arguments are going on? Now, sometimes, yeah, there are people who will argue with us and they'll try to, they'll try to prove us wrong. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a place that's actually between your ears, your mind, where you can argue. I, I'm a world-class speculator. In fact, over the last uh, five oh five years, but especially the last two years, the Lord just, decided, just told me, he said, when are you going to declare war on speculation? You know what speculation is, don't you? As laying in your bed at night, and within you know within two minutes, I can come up with a hundred scenarios by which I'm going to fail. At least a hundred. <laughs> you know what I found out, and I was actually in one situation in my life. The Lord said, "I want you to track this situation and track your speculations." And so I did. And you know that as of today. Not one speculation I ever
2: had actually came to pass. Not one. They were all lies, every one of them. Not one came to pass. And so
1: I came to grips with the fact that this, you know, in fact, Galatians tells us that we're not to speculate because it produces strife. Now in this context of this kind of strife, I can tell you now that whenever I fall into speculation, I start striving. I get worried, strive, I get worried, I get to I, I can play it out, every scenario. Probably there in Manila and, and wherever you are in the world, I noticed Abu Dhabi and wherever you are in the world, it probably doesn't work like it does here uh, in, in America. Of course, I'm being facetious because it does because. You see, we're all human and it's given to man to worry, to be anxious, to speculate. But here we're warned against it. And let's finish this for the weapons. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't that great that we actually have weapons at our disposal for this war? Remember, it's a war of the mind. Apostle Paul said the, the battlefield is in the mind. And so here we are, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, fleshly, but mighty in God for the pullings down of strongholds, strongholds in the mind. I'm going to get sick and die. I'm going to lose my job. I'll never get another job. Oh, man, I don't know. How am I going to pay the bills? I can't. When am I ever going to get out? What? Oh, my goodness. And so we see here that these arguments can produce something called a stronghold, a stronghold, a barrier. Did you ever try to to encourage someone who's discouraged? Did you ever try that? (laughs) That's kind of my job, to, to encourage, discourage people. And I find that sometimes people have just made up their mind. They're just not going to get encouraged. No matter what you say, no
2: matter how many scriptures you read, you can just see they've made up their mind. It's over, <laughs> it's over. You know, in my book, I talk about three, three concepts. Don't throw away
1: your confidence in God. Don't throw away your confidence in yourself and don't throw away your confidence in others. Isn't it amazing how quickly we can throw away our confidence in ourselves? I talked about a young player that missed 17 shots in a row in a basketball game. Now, I know a lot of you like basketball. He missed 17 shots in a row. Around the 10th shot, he something happened. You like my form? See that? Everything's perpendicular. See that? Something began to happen on about the 10th shot. He went, he, he did this little hitch. And then around this on the 17th shot, and I only know this because we kept a shot chart. I had no idea he'd missed this many shots. Because I never threw my confidence away in him because he was a great shooter. But all good shooters are streaky. So anyway,
2: on the 17th shot, they passed him the ball. And he and then he passed it away. His mind locked up. The embarrassment in front of a
1: crowd, he was a Great basketball player, one of the best I ever coached. The humiliation and the embarrassment of missing that many shots, and we were all depending on him, upon him. He passed the ball away, and at that point in time, I knew I had to set him on the bench. Well, you know, sometimes we all need to go sit on the bench. Maybe this is one of those times for you, where tonight you kind of probably need to sit on the bench next to the old coach here. So he did, and uh, and we were. it was the fourth quarter. There was about uh, six minutes to go when I took him out. The amazing thing is that the rest of the team would not let the other team get very far. Ahead. We were down eight points when he came out, and we never let them score another basket for about three minutes. It remained eight points, and every time we would make a stop and we would start back up the floor, it was as if his teammates would look at him on the bench to say, come on, Stephen, we need you, you got to score. Something began to happen inside of him, something began to happen. He began to look at the clock, he saw the time was running out, and I saw that his desire not to let his team down became greater than his fear of missing shots. So with about two and a half minutes to go, I motioned for him to come to me, on the bench, I was sitting there, and he was standing for me. And I reached up, and I grabbed his jersey, and I pulled him down. And I said, "Steven, we need eight points. He said, I'll get him, coach. What I saw has, cha- has changed my life because I watched a young man throw away his confidence right in front of my eyes. When he walked back on the floor, an amazing thing happened. The stands, the players, they, they ran to him. But he didn't stop to the players. He instinctively went right back to the place on the floor where he had passed that ball, where he had thrown away his confidence, where he had lost the war. Remember? He he was humiliated. 17 shots in a row. Why didn't I take him out center? I didn't have anybody else to put in. (laughs) And I never, I knew every shot he took, I expected it to go in. Well, he picked up his confidence. We stole the ball. Somebody passed it to Steven. Somewhere around the half-court line, he let her go. Nothing but net. Stole the ball again, passed to Steven, let her go. Nothing but net. I wish I could tell you he scored eight points, but I'm glad to tell you he didn't. He scored 16. He had eight shots in a row. Eight shots in a row, and we won by eight points. They never scored. The other team never scored, another, and they were a good team. They never n- scored another point after I took Stephen
2: out and put him back in. You see, the warfare is in the mind. Had Stephen forgotten how to
1: shoot? No, he hadn't forgotten how to shoot. I didn't have to pull him over on the side and say, okay, now, Stephen, let's look here at your form. Let's, no, 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 no. He just had to refocus
2: his mind. On helping his team, not being embarrassed for himself. So it's very important. So we see here we
1: walk not according to the flesh, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments. There's that speculation word. There's verse five. And every lofty thing exalting itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought. Into captivity or captive according to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience. Punish all disobedience. Now, isn't that interesting? It's all according to the knowledge of God. Remember, the number one thing we tend to do is throw away our confidence in God. When bad things happen, this may not, this thought may not have crossed your mind, but you may have actually thought. Why God, why now, why is this happening? Why, what, have I done something wrong? Is there, my mother, bless her heart, she, she had bo- terrible bone spurs in her neck and she was finally, she had to be in a wheelchair. And every time I ever was with my mother, the first thing she would say to me is she would say, son, do you think, do you think God's punishing me? Do you think, you know, every time I go, time out, (laughs) whoa, mom, you are the sweetest, the kindest, the most pure.
2: No, no, God is not punishing you. You've got bone spurs in your neck. She finally had to go in a nursing home and it's not, anyway,
1: I won't even go there, but. I can tell you this. She was in probably seven or eight different ones. We had to move her from place to place. And whenever she left one, every person on the staff wept in her arms when they said, thank you for always encouraging us every day. In fact, you, when you came in, you came in as a staff, she would say, okay, give me my kiss. And my mother changed everyone she was ever in but still fighting the war in her mind that somehow she had disappointed God. Somehow he was punishing her. Now, there's no fear in love because love, First John, there's no fear in love because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. No, right now I can tell you, God loves you. Now, very quickly here, oh man, I got to roll here. I want to give you five very quick attributes of mental toughness. Number one, first attribute is a sound mind. He's not giving us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. That's very important, a sound mind. Now, the first work of the enemy is to destabilize your mind. He doesn't want you to have a sound mind because a sound mind is able to operate perfectly under stress. See, the enemy puts us in a stress test. And if there's anything in it, we're all facing now is a lot of stress. Men's hearts fail them for fear. And so the sound mind is able to combat the stress when it gets, when the stress test comes, but the enemy wants to destabilize it like he did Job. When, you know, Job lost all his family and his possessions, and, and then it's not enough. Here he comes back and accuses him again. If you consider my servant Job, no man like him. Now, you know, all of his friends, his wife, and every, every one of them said, oh, Job, you've done something bad here. You've done something bad. No, he hadn't. <laughs> In every way, he did not lay it to God's account. But the, the next one was, he got boils all over his body. I got one on my nose one time. That was enough for me. I couldn't even think. My nose swelled up where I couldn't even see around it. But yeah, boils. The enemy wants to destabilize your mind, Then that's why God wants to give you a sound one based upon truth, based upon established the established heart and the established mind based upon truth. Number two, disciplined thoughts. Taking every thought captive, we cast out. Take them captive and cast them out. No, God's on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. I have to believe that. Right where you are, I want you to say it with me. I have to believe that. It's not enough that God said it. You have to believe it. I have to believe it. I didn't want to believe it. You can read about it in my book in Singapore. I I tell the
2: story of how I had to overcome that lie that God wasn't on my side. I finally did. And today I can tell you, God's on my side.
1: And I can tell you, he's on yours. Because if I can believe it, anybody can. I went to a loaded gun. God's on your side. And so we've got to learn to discipline our thoughts, these arguments. We've got to cast them down,
2: the speculations. How bad is it going to get? (laughs) It's, It's going to get as bad as it's going to get. I'm going to get as good as I can get. I mean, suppose Pastor Dennis,
1: he said, Pastor John, I want you to come on the show. And I go, I'm not doing good, Pastor Dennis. I, you know all that stuff I told you back at the conference? No. <laughs> it's early i'm not I'm not a morning person, so I'm pretending in my
2: mind that it's eight o'clock or eight thirty in the evening, not seven thirty in the morning number three you've got to have a winning attitude attitude now attitude we mostly relegate to um the way we react to things. Well, that's a one
1: way to describe it, but why do we, why do we, why are we giving it that definition? Because attitude is a
2: nautical term, nautical. Airplanes, ships, has to do with how they
1: get from one place to another. For instance, an airplane has to
2: have a certain attitude. Now if an airplane fly it tries to fly level, it's got to
1: it's got to actually fly with its nose up. When it takes off, isn't it interesting an airplane has to they have to lower that landing gear to keep that nose up so that when it lands, it's interesting too when, when it takes off, you got to keep that nose up so it can get gather air under those wings. how many times in a basketball game have I seen a kid make a mistake and even like Steven did missing those shots when all of a sudden
2: nose goes down, shoulders slump, that's a bad attitude.
1: And I know at that point in time, in fact, how many times have I, have I hollered out on the floor and say, get, get your nose up. When I would say that, they would know what I meant because a bad attitude was not going to help us win the game. No, you can't. Okay, you've made a mistake. Don't make a bigger one by trying to make up for the one you just made or giving up and getting down on yourself. No, no, no.
2: Keep your nose up. So we've got to have a winning attitude. We're going to win. In fact, we already have That's what the Bible says.
1: We've already won because Jesus won it for us.
2: Yeah, good news. Keep our nose up. Two reasons you better keep your nose up. number one if you if you get your nose down. You can't see what's coming at you. Freight train might be coming right at you, but because your nose down, you can't see it. Got to keep your nose up. See, and keeping your nose up allows you to see where you're going. Remember, we're called for a purpose. It's given us a future and a hope. All right, so I have long introductions, short messages. Number four, Big Mo.
1: How many know what Big Mo is? Momentum. Big Mo. You gotta get big Mo on your side. You've got to get some momentum to your faith. You've got to create momentum in your mind where you begin to see what the word says. Yes, God is on my side. I am coming through. You see, when you read these words, you're not supposed to see words on a page. You're supposed to see the pictures
2: that the words are painting. We've got to get the right picture. God longs to bless his servant, to prosper him. We're going to come back one way or the other. We're not going to be afraid. That's a decision. Now, so we let momentum must be built, built you build it. And and, and
1: all you athletes and professional people, you know that once momentum is on your side, boy, it gets easy. Confidence, amazing. Confidence people just know. Remember the knowledge of God? See, knowledge is very important. We can take the knowledge of their past failures and And all the naysayers and all of that. And we can let that knowledge build a stronghold that keeps God from being able to get through. And the people who want to encourage you. I'm doing everything I know how to do right now to encourage you. But
2: are you willing to take encouragement? Take your medicine. I'm trying to give you some (laughs) Gospels.
1: I know that's bad. But anyway, you got to take your Gospels. It's good probably take them three times a day. So that once you start to build momentum, you know what happens when an airplane starts to take off, and then it backs off, boom, no, taking off just gets us airborne. And then once a plane, and here's a good, here's a good thought for you. I'm sure most every one of you have been 38, 40,000 feet. And you're sitting by the window seat, and you look out, and for a moment, This happens every time. I look out, and for a moment, it doesn't look like I'm going anywhere. I mean, inside, as still as it can be. And I look outside, and I'm going. But I have to remind myself, no, 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 no. Fix your eyes on a point down below, and you'll notice that it's, it's moving. That's because you're moving. Actually, at probably 600, 625 miles an hour, I have people all the time say to me, Pastor John, I just don't feel like I'm going anywhere. And I always have to say, oh, that's right. We walk by feelings, don't we? No, we walk by faith, not by feelings. Because you are going at 625 miles an hour, but it doesn't feel like or look like you're going anywhere. But yes, you are. You're being hurled headlong into your destiny if you're building momentum, you build up that speed. And then it's an amazing thing, they can back those throttles off and the momentum of the plane is taking up a, a lot of the power. Doesn't take very much power once that plane gets going. Same is true in spiritual things. Once that plane, gets going. Once that faith is strong, confidence,
2: attitude, noses up, here we go. And number
1: five, attribute of mental toughness. Remember we're trying to build some toughness here. Toughness of the mind. Everybody wants Physical toughness, and to get it, you got to lift those weights, and you got to run, and you got to do all that. You got to, you got to also build toughness in your mind. So remember, when the stress comes, your mind doesn't break down. It doesn't break down. What do they call it? A mental breakdown. That just means the mind broke down. It just doesn't is not operating
2: right. It's not operating right. It's not thinking correctly. And so, number five is we have to conquer adversity. Oh, I said it. Adversity. Now, what is adversity? Let me
1: give you a definition of it here. An event, a series, uh, uh, or series which uh, of events which oppose success or desire misfortune, calamity, affliction, distress, state of unhappiness, turbulence or storm, unstable, insecure, unsafe, adversity. Why do we run from adversity?
2: Why do we run from those things that are uncertain? I've always
1: believed, and I I believe it to this day, Champions are birthed out of adversity. You'll only be as strong as tough
2: as the adversity. remember that you overcome that you conquer now I thank God I survived for a number of
1: years of my life, but I'm telling you surviving is not conquering. I'm not trying to uh, survive my way through life. That, oh, thank you, Lord, for saving me from trying to survive through life. No, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loves us. We don't throw away our confidence, for it has a great recompense of reward. For God's going to make it up to you. He's going to make it up to us for what we're going through for his sake. Remember Hebrews 10, 35, don't throw your confidence. That's where that comes from. If you read the first verses prior to that, you're talking about Hebrew Christians who were being persecuted and, and actually persecuted for this, for the, 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 the things that other people were going through. You shared in their adversity, it
2: said. So therefore, don't throw away your confidence. For you have need of endurance so that, Oh,
1: oh, 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 Lord, help them, help them, Lord, help them, help them, help them. They're going to need help on this one, Lord. So that after, say after, after, so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. After you've done, but human nature, we want the promise before we've done the will of God, before we've suffered, before we've we've gone through it, and we've had to win. We've Winning is conquering,
2: overcoming. I smoked four packets of cigarettes a day in my early 20s. Four packets a day. That's 50, almost 54 years ago. Because one
1: day I looked at a cigarette and I said, you're, you're killing me and I'm letting you do it. I hate you, and I snapped that cigarette. Now, in about five minutes, I was laying in a fetal position on the floor praying to die. My roommate and colleagues walked in and said, huh, Roar, you're trying to quit smoking. You know you can't quit smoking. But you see, amazing thing had happened. I realized that thing was killing me, and I was doing it. I was doing it to myself, and I made up my mind right there and then when he said that. I looked at him, I said, I will never smoke another cigarette again. And that's 53 years ago. In August, will be 54 years. That's momentum. If you think I'm going to run out and buy a pack of Marlboros, boy, I love those things. I still want one now and then. If you think I'm going to go out and buy another pack of Marlboros, you're crazy. Because I've got a streak going. I've got momentum.
2: I'm breathing good. I know I'm... S- Somewhere around forty, I I dye my hair gray. Need a haircut, but you probably do too. Anyway, no, I'm a little older than that. But if you can get more excited about going, I'm going back.
1: I'm getting back on planes. I'm coming back to the Philippines, Paul and Julie. I hey, I I love the Philippines. Gave me my my daughter-in-law, gave me much more. I wouldn't wouldn't have the
2: faith I have today if I hadn't come to you to see your heart. We're coming through because Jesus already
1: came through for us.
2: Got to conquer adversity. Conquer adversity.
1: You know what? I've, I've given you a lot. Um, let's see. Is there anything else I want to say here? What time? Oh yeah, let's uh, let's pray. Father, uh, uh, Pastor Dennis, come on back on here. Lord, I just thank you right now for what you're doing, what you're going to do. Now, how am I doing, Pastor Dennis? Is this okay? Yes, you can go on. <laughs> oh, you want me to go on? <laughs> well, I got I'm a just, lot. Got, you know, I'm just starting. starting. You know, I'm just starting. Coach Vince, the first time I ever heard the word mental toughness was riding on a bus with Coach Vince I was sitting next to him, and this is what he said. This is what he said to me. He said, John, where has all the mental toughness gone? He said, these kids just don't have any mental toughness at all. That was almost 60 years ago. (laughs) If that can be said 60 years ago, (laughs) what can be said now? And here's your pastor wanting you to build mental toughness? Because it's the only way we're going to get through this. Oh, yeah. Meditating on the law. Remember, the law of the mind has to be in coordination with the law of God. When that happens, that's an immovable force. That's an unstoppable force. All right, there you go. All right, let's make a little ministry moment out of this. Every one of you, I—if you've been writing anything down—I'm I'm certain the Holy Spirit. I didn't even get into the enemies of the mind, but there are there are many many enemies that we have to deal with. And, uh, and oh, there it is, Galatians. Uh, one twenty-one, Colossians 121, and enemies in your mind, enemies in your mind. I want you to isolate one of those enemies in your mind. Maybe it's weariness, alienation, doubt, unbelief, disbelief, fear, circumstances, situations, pride, arrogance, despair, pressure, perplexities, forsaken, forgotten, losing heart. Thoughts of quitting, failure. Mind mind yielded to discouragement. Remember that person wanna be. It's you've actually yielded your mind to being discouraged. I'm down. Can't can't get up. Bad decision. Failure. 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 Fear of failure. 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 Self-interest, opposition, fantasy, permission, uh, per, uh, pessimism. Oh, that's a big one. It's not fair. Oh, don't don't underestimate that one. No, God's not fair. He's just fairness. Fairness is a product of the human mind. What's <laughs> fair to you might not be fair to me. And it sure won't be fair to the devil. Fairness. Speculation. Hesitation. You just kind of locked in. You just can't. Like, that, that, and actually, Stephen, that's, he, had a, he had a hesitation in his he shot. A hitch, a hesitation. Now, that I've, I've given you a whole bunch. Pick one. What's yours? So I, I want to pray for you in that one. Let's don't just leave here with a nice little prayer. Let's. You need a coach. Oh, I wish I had my whistle. It's hanging in my my. Tub. I blow it. Time out. Let's deal with something. What's your enemy? What's your biggest enemy? I'm gonna give you 20 seconds to write it down on a piece of paper that you can actually hold in your hand. Because I'm gonna have you do something with it in, in a minute. Write it down. What's your enemy? The big one. Mine's speculation. I've already told you. I hate it. I hate it. It costs me more with my wife, with my family, my boys, five sons, because I always thought I knew what they were doing on Saturday night. I always thought I knew what they were thinking. I always had it all figured out, and I was wrong every time. Nearly drove my oldest son away from me. Speculation. That's mine. What's yours? Doesn't matter what mine is, it does to me. I'm writing mine down right here. Now the Bible says, we're to love righteousness. And what are we supposed to do with evil? Pastor Dennis, what are we supposed to do with evil? We love righteousness. We hate evil. Oh, you passed the test. Good, okay, 100%. Say it again. We hate evil. Let me tell you the truth. The problem is, for most of us, we don't hate it. Mm. Oh, self-pity. Oh. <laughs>
2: Poor thing. <laughs> oh.
1: Poor thing. Nobody loves you. I love you. <laughs> Name that devil. Self-pity. I loved it. I loved it. I love. it. Why did I smoke four packets a day of cigarettes? Because
2: I loved it. I loved it better than life.
1: I was loving it to death. You've got to, whatever it is, you wrote down. Now, this is why I get paid the big bucks, Pastor Dennis. (laughs) You got to hate this thing. And let me say this. This might just be the start for you, and that's okay. We're going to pray that prayer. Maybe you're going to decide to start hating this thing. If, if this for you is going to be a good start, don't tear this. In a minute, we're going to tear this piece of paper up if we really hate it, and we make up our mind we're going to change. Change. Mm-hmm. And change. That's until you change, nothing ever happens. I'm so grateful that at 75 years old, I've embraced change in my life. My youngest son who's just got out of New Zealand, he got quarantined there. He actually said to me on the phone the other day, he bragged on me and he said, dad, he said, I'm really proud of you. Cause he said, I've seen you change so much. Change keeps you young, change keeps you relevant change keeps you keeps you in the game because nobody's looking for a 75 year old man to do anything now but i'm not here you got it oh look at look at pastor dennis all right hold up that piece of paper father i ask you now for divine hatred. Mm. I ask you, Lord, to invade their minds, their hearts, their spirits with divine hatred for this thing. And, Lord, they're going to hate it. Mm. When you hate something, you want to destroy it. We're to go about destroying the works of the devil. Speculation is a work of the devil, and the Bible tells me specifically not to do it. Because it produces strife. Lord, Holy Spirit, help us in this moment to redeem our will, willpower. Willpower is the fuel of mental toughness. You just set your will, and I'm not going to smoke another cigarette. I'm, I, how many times in the last several years have I stopped and said, I'm speculating? I hate you. I stop it right now. I can't tell you how many times within five minutes that, that whatever it was I was speculating on was dispelled before my very eyes. Before my very eyes. Lord, this is important. Oh, I like that music. Lord, this is important, this is holding us back. This is destroying our witness, our lives, it is eating away at our faith, our momentum. Lord, I ask you now, I ask you now, Lord, to give us confidence, yes. confidence in repentance, that it works. Lord, I repent, I've done it before, I'm gonna do it again because I know sometime today I'm gonna speculate. But thank you, Lord, that every time I do, you show me, and you remind me. You say, you're speculating, son. I'm going, oh, yes, I am. I hate you, I hate, I hate you, speculation. I hate you, self-pity. All right, now you see, look at me. Look at the emotion. Look at the tenacity. It's righteous because speculation was destroying my anointing, my relationships. When you actually get your eyes open to the truth of that, it's pretty easy to hate, isn't it? Mm-hmm. All right, you ready? On the count of three, I want you to look at that, whatever it is, and I want you to say, and I'm going to say it, speculation, I hate you. One, two, three. Speculation, I hate you. I hate what I've allowed you to do to me, and you're not going to do it anymore without a fight. Get that? Without a fight. I'm not expecting you're going to get the victory right there now. I'm not expecting you're never going to do it again. But here's what I'm expecting of myself and I'm expecting of you is you're going to put up a fight. ACDC was wrong. Somebody's putting up a fight to those who are on the highway to hell. I heard that on a campus when we did the old rock and roll seminar. And for the first time I listened to the words nobody's even putting up a fight. And I stood up in the middle of 200 college students. And I said, I'm putting up a fight. Lord, thank you right now for a fighting spirit. That's number six, by the way. You gotta have a fighting spirit. We're in a fight. We're in a war. We're gonna win that fight. What does it say? A good fight of faith. Why is it a good fight? Because we've already won it. Mm. We've already won it. It's been 53, almost 54 years since I smoked a cigarette. Woo! (laughs) Man, and I ain't smoking another one. I got confidence, baby. Big Mo is working for me. Amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Come on, we somebody give the Lord praise. Oh, no. yeah. You're alive is never, you got a coach today. You
2: got a coach. Thank you, coach.
0: Come on. I know many are blessed by your word, many are challenged by your word today. Let's not throw away our confidence in God. Church, Victory Green Hills, let's not believe in the narrative of the world. Whose report will we believe? We believe oh. in the report of the Lord. I love so that. You've got to hold on to the word of God. You know, I want you to review again this video. This will be up on our Facebook page uh, and it will stay up there. We'll put this also on our YouTube. Please share this to your victory group. Make sure this could be a good Bible study, uh, victory group lesson for everybody. Discuss it. Do the exercise with the paper, right? And make sure to hate that one. You know, share it. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go.
0: Yeah.
3: No, I, it's just a timely word I have been telling Dennis even I guess even for those with younger children um or even older children I have been telling him we have to everyday remind ourselves to put on the full armor because we are in the thick of a spiritual battle and are we are not um worrying or fighting against flesh and blood so just the reminder of putting on the full armor and this is just a. <laughs> that <That's> far
1: <laughs> well, you know, I'm glad you said that because there's nobody in the world that fights uh, weariness like mamas do. And especially the lie that I'm wasting my life away. And my wife made the decision and it's not it, either decision's a good decision, but she made it. She thank God she raised those five boys. And uh, now she's she's really beginning to reap the blessing of it and uh, but at any rate uh, you know I want to pray for mama's lord in the name of jesus i just pray i come against the spirit of weariness oh this is good lord i come against the spirit of take a deep breath i come against the spirit of weariness tiredness gloom despondency and just feeling like there's no real gratitude for for it it's just tough lord and father I just, I rebuke that. The stalking principality of weariness. Now, everyone take in a deep breath, I release the second wind of the spirit. Yes. To finish strong. To finish strong. Se- <sighs> Secondly, you know, the Holy Ghost is pure air. He inspires. He's the inspirator. We don't get a breath without the Holy Spirit giving us one. He breathes it into us so we can breathe it out. Lord, I thank you for that second wind of the Spirit. We're going to make it and we're going to come through strong. We're finishing strong in Jesus' name.
3: Pastor John, can you also, I don't know, I just feel like, um, can you pray for the next generation? Like the young people now. And I just feel like talking about mental toughness, you said 16 years ago, that. It's been an observation. Like there's a lack of mental toughness. So even for this generation, they have giants to fight, and I think that we need that impartation. We need that. um, We need to intercede for the next generation.
1: Well, you you read in my book that as as a basketball coach in Kentucky at the height of all, I went to a loaded gun, Mm -hmm. and I'm glad I didn't do it god saved me i mean i heard my name called from behind me i turned around no one was there and that day jesus saved my life but i'm so glad i didn't do it i could have still gone on and done it but i didn't you know and i just want to give every young person just just look at this face look at this hair if you can get more excited about life come on baby I mean, last year I was in Turkey twice. I was in France twice. I was in Fiji twice. I was in New Zealand. I was in Australia. I was in, I was in uh, uh, Ukraine. What a life, what a life. <laughs> it's worth fighting for. It's, w- it's worth building the mental toughness to endure to the end. Young people all the time say to me, Pastor John, you give me hope for the future. That maybe I can turn out to be 75 too. Because I know the fight you're fighting, especially in these moments, that the world is never going to be the same again. It's all over. I just don't. I just refuse to believe that. Because why? Because God's new every morning. We pray. We've been through stuff. And you know what? People are amazing, resilient. We'll find, find a way. You find a way. You may discover something. You may, who knows? Philippine people, have, and I, I know a lot of this is a predominantly Philippine audience, but I know it's around the world, really. But I tell you what, I get excited because any one of you, can change the world. And I've had to fight for my own sense of importance every day, but I fight and I take hold of that high calling of God. And Pastor Rice tells me I'm going to still be doing this at 90. And I said, no, wait a minute. Let's go. Let's go for 100. (laughs)
2: Length
1: of days is determined by the Lord. That's not in my hands. But I tell you this. I'm grateful for Every Nation Ministries because it's kept me in the game with young people and it keeps me thinking young. If I can change, you can change. Father, I pray, I just break the curse of discouragement over every young person in this audience. They fight a unique battle, Lord. Did Gen, what is it, the Gen Zers? Is that the latest one? I love you. I love millennials. I love millennials. I love Gen Zers. There's something very unique. And if there's any Gen Zers on this right now, I want you to know there is there's is a powerful anointing on your life. Yes. And so, Father, I just I thank you right now. I just I bind all discouragement and fatalism and futility. It's just futile. What's the use? Might as well throw my life away just breaks my heart to see so many. I mean, it's on the news every day here, the drug overdoses and suicides and all of that. And, and so father, but I, by your grace, Lord, I was able to overcome all those things overcome. And I'm not just surviving anymore. Lord I'm overcoming. You said read revelations to him who overcomes. I mean, it's just over and over to him, overcome to him, who overcomes. Let's be overcomers, young people. It's worth it. It's worth it. Worth it. Every time I hold my grandbabies, I didn't think I'd ever get any. Those boys just would never would get married. Five boys, never get married. You read about it in my book. You know, my youngest, my first child, my daughter died. And it looked bad for God that day. Actually, I Actually laid hands on her and prayed she'd come back from the dead. She didn't. Look bad for God. Really look bad for God. But now I hold three granddaughters. You cannot give God. My youngest one, two. She runs from me because she wants me to chase her. And then she cries. So I leave her alone. But five minutes later, here she comes. I just, just saw her a couple of days ago and she crawled up in my arms and she grabbed my shoulder. She wouldn't let go. I just kept telling her, your papa loves you and he's got a special reason for loving you. You can always come in these arms you can always get the love you need. And that's what I want to say to you young people. I'm still in this game because of you. God bless you. We love you, Pastor John.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.